My name is Brandon Isle. I'm here with my student, John McSwain, and on the line joining us is Ryan Hamilton. Of course, he's a comedian, and he has a show coming up here at BYU-Idaho. We're excited to have him here today. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. First off, I just wanted to ask you about your time here at Ricks College. You're from Ashton, and you came to Ricks College, and I know that you worked for the radio station here, had your own show. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, it was quite... um... It was quite a uh, learning experience for me. I was really interested in journalism coming into college and um, took the, at that time, it was a two-year uh, track for uh, print and and um, broadcast. And so I double majored. So I wrote on the scroll and also uh, did the broadcast track. And, you know, we all had our shift on the on the radio. And um, I loved it. I learned a lot. Um, I was also working at that time for uh, the local NBC affiliate in Idaho Falls, shooting high school sports. So I was I was really involved in journalism at that time in my life. But it also led me into comedy um, in a way because I some of us were really interested in comedy in the program, and we decided to do a remote for the radio station at that time it was Kragos pizza i don't know if it's still standing or what it is now i think the location the, is the still building there. is there but yeah Kragos is long gone yeah yeah so um we decided to do a stand-up comedy show for the radio station for a remote so technically that's the first time i ever did stand-up comedy we did that three or four times different places around town and um so it kind of was a foray for me into comedy that is great so ryan when did you realize that you were you know funny and you you had this niche to make people happy and smile uh i always was drawn to it from a very young age i don't know why i was very quiet and shy, but I feel like I was an observant guy. I, uh, I like to think about what I would say, but I know, always wouldn't say it or think about a funny response. I, I remember watching the talk shows, you know, uh, I would watch the tonight show and I would lay there in bed thinking like, if you, if, if I was them, I would have said this, maybe, maybe that would have been funny. I wasn't like always performing, but I was always having thoughts like that. I, I don't know why. And uh, just really drawn to watching stand-up comedy on TV. Um, And I don't know where it came from, uh, but I really wanted to be a a humor columnist when I was like 12, 14 years old. I thought that would be a great job, writing funny things that people just about my life. And so um, we didn't have a school newspaper in high school, and I just called the county newspaper there that at the time, which was the Fremont County Herald Chronicle. I, I think it's all wrapped up into the Rexburg standard journal now, but right, yeah. at that time, and they just said, um, we'll just give you a column. And I started writing funny things that, that was going on at the high school. And so, um, I don't know where it came from though. It was just something I was always kind of drawn to. That is awesome. Thanks, Ryan. 
who was your favorite yeah. comedian growing up? Um, you know, I, I loved watching David Letterman when I was growing up. Um, my brother and I would stay up late sometimes and watch David Letterman. Um, the newspaper column that I read was Dave Barry. I was really, um, influenced by that when I was young. And also the far side comic strip by Gary Larson was very big for me when this is when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Those were the things that were kind of like really interesting that I thought were really funny and people that thought in a funny way that it fascinated me. Um, so there was stand-up comedy coming on cable television. <laughs> I sound a hundred years old, but there was this show called A&E's Evening at the Improv, which was um, this show that was shot in LA at the Hollywood Improv, which I'd never even really knew what a comedy club was, but you know, watching the show in my little town there in Ashton, Idaho, it was just like really informative to me because there was this place where there were these people who weren't super famous. I didn't know who they were. And they would get up on stage in front of a small audience and do, you know, short sets, like seven minutes of comedy. And I, re I made my family watch that every week. And I don't know what clicked in me there but it was just like there's these people who write jokes they're not famous i don't know who they are but that's a job or something there was this world out there that was really interesting to me and so i didn't really like know about i i wasn't listening to like comedy albums and stuff like i wasn't i didn't stumble into like steve martin until later um brian regan until a little later but um so it was kind of these short things and little things that just kind of came into my life. Um, some of it through journalism and some of it through just TV, but, um, and David Letterman. And I watched a lot of Letterman and even Johnny Carson, but that was when I was really young. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners identify with, with watching and listening and reading to all these people that, that you grew up with. Um, yeah. How so? You were here at Rick's College. You were do, on the journalism track, but then you went to BYU and became a PR major, and right. graduated with that and started writing. How did you get from PR to comedy? <laughs> um, I lost my job. Basically, I I didn't. I did comedy a few times there at uh, Rick's College on the radio, and then I didn't touch it again until after I'd graduated college. I, I wasn't thinking about it as a career. It was just something that I was always like fascinated with, or at least I didn't, I, I wasn't brave enough to think of it as a career. <laughs> but I um, remember I finished my last final at, at uh, and this was at, at, uh, at BYU in Provo, and I had, I, I was always working. I never had time. I always had a job. I just I was so wrapped up with working and getting through school, but I always wanted to get into comedy, and I just was so frustrated that I never had more time to do it. And I remember finishing my last final and going, okay, I haven't technically graduated, but I'm done with school. I have this part-time job. I need to find a real job. So I've got this little window where all I have is a part-time job. And I went home from the testing center and called the comedy club. And there was a comedy club in Provo at that time called Johnny B's. And I just called them up cold and said, 
how do I get on stage? And they said, you can come down <laughs> and do like three minutes. And so, and I had stuff I'd been writing for years and just working on like little ideas. And so I started hanging out in comedy clubs, you know, and doing that. I found a job. I thought really like if I just become like a local host opener type of comedian, that'll be a really fun hobby. And, but I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was always working on it. And I got a job in Salt Lake at an advertising agency doing PR. Um, it's called Richter seven. I'm still friends with them. Um, I worked there for one year and I got let go and, um, they laid me off <laughs> and it wasn't a great fit for me, but it, it was a great place where I, I learned a lot. And, and I started looking for another job, but also start, I took a job as a parking valet, just going, okay, here's something that will get me through the interim while I find another job. And then I just started doing more comedy, more comedy, more comedy. And then I finally eventually thought, let's try comedy for one year and just see what happens. I'm going to put everything into it instead of looking for another job, trying to focus in this area and doing this on the side, I'm going to cut my expenses down as much as I can. And I did, it was hard. I was very poor. I actually went into a little debt in this year and I thought of it like my tuition. Okay. This is what it's going to cost me to learn how to do comedy. I paid tuition in college. I'm going to pay tuition now for a year. <laughs> and this is what it's going to, and I, and it really forced me to, um, be creative. And I, I really jumped in. And in fact, I moved to, uh, Seattle, Washington at that time. I wasn't ready for New York or LA. I just knew I could get on stage every night in Seattle at that time. I had some friends there and I couldn't do that in Salt Lake city. And so I did that, but that's kind of how it happened. That was a, that was quite a, a mouthful, but well, that's I'm just imagining like the conversations you may or may not have had with your parents. Um, yeah, I got laid off. I'm going to try comedy for a year. What was that like? <laughs> they were pretty supportive. I mean, I think because I'd been through college already, it was, it was a lot easier for them to swallow, <laughs> you know? Um, but my parents were very creative people. And, you know, my dad studied art education. My mom was an English teacher, but studied, had, you know, been a writer. And so I think that helped. And um, they were mostly worried about me, you know, traveling around and doing these terrible one-nighters and bars and stuff like, like the driving all over the country was the thing they were worried about. Really not like me, <laughs> uh, floundering in my career as much, but, um, they were, they were mostly supportive and, uh, and have been from very early on. But I think because I had already gone through college, it, it gave them a little security, you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how that happened. But I feel, I feel lucky that they were always supportive, whatever I wanted to do. That sounds awesome, Ryan. What was your journey yeah. like performing in small clubs then eventually transcending to larger venues? Oh, well, that's still a, a thing that I think about a lot. It's, you know, it never goes away. 
it's always this pressure to sell tickets and is it going to be full and can I do that size venue in that market? And, you know, you start out doing these rooms. Nobody knows who you are. It's just people. And you just have to make a bunch of people laugh who don't know who you are. And hopefully you get to a place where you can start drawing a, a few people who know who you are, but it's, it's also a mix of people who are brought in and, you know, the real dream is for us to have our own audience and to be performing for me in theaters. I love performing in a theater. So I do a mix of that right now. I do some small theaters. I do some big theaters in some markets, bigger. Um, and I do some comedy clubs in other places. So it's always kind of this like, um, for me, it's still this thing I'm navigating. But in the beginning, it was a lot of one-nighters we call them, where you drive to a city, do comedy in a venue that's not a comedy club, you know, a bar, a whatever, a nightclub, a little rock club, whatever it is, some place that has comedy once a month, once a week, you know, and you do 30 minutes and you make $100 and these people have been paid the same for 30 years, you know, we never get a raise. <laughs> and um then you drive to the next city and hopefully you have two or three of those in a week and you string together a couple of those weeks and you got to learn to live off of that you know so uh, that's for me was the very beginning stage now there's so much digital and so much going on that there's a lot of ways to make income that's not driving around <laughs> the country doing small venues so um it's different now but yeah it's still something that i'm i'm working on how to get from uh, you know this to the next level and it's just i think we i think all of artists are constantly thinking about that like what's next what's next you you're you're talking about the next level and you have a netflix special out there and i imagine that's every comedian's dream right now is to have a special on one of these streaming services what's that like um having that there and kind of the reaction from people it's been really amazing. I mean, it's so interesting to have something that just lives there and has kind of its own life because people discover it still, you know, people still kind of go, oh, this is someone I've never heard of. Let me check this out. And I tried to write it in a way and produce it in a way that it would have a long lifespan. Evergreen, we call it. And I like creating that way. So um, a platform like Netflix and the digital platforms lend itself to that because you can constantly go to it and there's a lot of ways to distribute things now some people are just producing and putting it out straight to youtube and having success that way too um for me five years ago was when this special came out so it's been i'm due to do another um special we're working on that hopefully we don't know what's going on yet but um so for me, it's just it, it really took me from being like a comedy club act to being able to do some theaters and markets for me. And it's different for everybody. It's not a guaranteed. And for some people, it's skyrocketed their careers where they're doing arenas. And, and but for me, that's what it, that's what it was. It took me from being a, like a comedy club act to being able to do some small theaters and building that into some larger theaters in some markets and um, just having a little more awareness of people about me and it did lead to some opportunities to try and develop tv shows and those sorts of things that um 
I'd had meetings, but the meetings were a little different after the special came out. So um, that's kind of how it changed my life. But I'd been working as a full-time comedian for a long time before I had that special. And it also wasn't something that was guaranteed. It was just kind of we'd worked on it and tried to get there and tried to get there. And they said no. They said no. We eventually were going to go somewhere else. We thought maybe we had an opportunity. And then... Netflix came out of the blue and said, we need, we have a spot for you, but we need it done in six weeks, which is really, really compacted schedule timeline. And so that was very stressful. I had to really put it together quickly. Right. Cause you, but, you need all new material for a special like that. <clears throat> well, me. I had the material. They knew I had the material. That's why they were okay to do it for me in the six weeks. Cause they were very familiar with me and they knew that I could do it. But you have to find a venue, and this is all on me. We have to hire. They just gave us a budget, and I have to – they have approval over everything, but I have to find a production company, hire a director, find a venue, sell tickets to the venue. You know, it's generally a six-month process. I was just thinking about, you know, what you're saying about your material and how you got to create it. It's very family-friendly. Do you ever receive scrutiny for being – uh, a clean comedian? No, not really. I mean, within the comedy community, it's 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 kind of comedy trumps everything. We're from all over the spectrum. And I have respect for all of my peers all over the spectrum. And they do for me as well, I think. So, I mean, really, if it's funny, funny is funny. And so... Um, it kind of comes out of me that way naturally. And a lot of the comedians that I, you know, had kind of looked up to for a long time worked in that kind of observational realm of comedy, broad and observational. And it just kind of came out of me that way. Now, a lot of my stage presence and performance and voice changed when I was in the beginning. I was very like one line absurdist kind of, stuff almost like mitch hedberg was very influential in the very very beginning you know not a lot of physicality um so you just kind of at least for me over time find out what's comfortable for you on stage and what you and the audience find together kind of and um but no i i mostly you know i get labeled as clean comedian um and I don't mind. That's how it comes out of me. And But I don't think, no, I don't take much flack for it, really. I think within the comedy community, they mostly respect it, you know. Uh, changing topics a little bit. It's been yeah. just over a year since your accident. Uh, you were hit by a shuttle bus. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, I can't imagine what that process was like, but you... You couldn't do anything for a few months, and your mom took care of you. And um, I, yeah. what what's it been like? I guess over the last year or so, and you're you're back on stage. What's that like? That's been really. Um, it's been really strange for me. Really, I I still am thinking about it a lot. It's just it's been a year and a couple months now, and um, it's. It's been something that's 
I don't know, I had to talk about, I never had anything that I had to talk about on stage. And it's still affecting me to this day. Just, it was such a big kind of um, place in my life that I had to navigate and figure out and learn. And I'd never been, I'd seen people go through things like this that I was close to, but I'd never been through something like this. Just meaning like a lot of procedures and medical care and, you know, really intense kind of healing and, and, and I learned that I couldn't do things by myself. <laughs> I'd always done thing, everything kind of by myself. I had my family, but I was always kind of pretty independent. And this taught me that I couldn't be. I had to rely on other people. So that was very new. And I learned that, um, you know, my father had passed away one year before this. And I remember having a lot of thoughts because he went through a lot of procedures and things that were very difficult. And I remember thinking, okay, when something like this happens, it's like kind of all your worries and things fall away. And you go, okay, there's this really one thing that has become my primary concern. And the stuff that I was so stressed about suddenly becomes trivial when something like that happens. I remember learning that and going, that's an important lesson. And, and don't forget that. And then Petu, just a, a year later, like, um, like within a couple weeks, I'm laying in the hospital and I have this familiar feeling and familiar thoughts and I realize, oh, it's been a year and I learned the same thing again. And it scared me about how easy it is to forget. <laughs> and so I just never want to forget again that it's, and I still do, it's just the human condition. It's so easy to forget what's important. But that really affected me personally. And in my act, it's come out in a way that, you know, it's, it's the same rhythms and the same everything. I feel like people say it's, it's got the same amount of laughs. It's very funny. In the beginning, I really had to work on making it funnier. It was quite heavy. But now it's, um, I think it's pretty funny. And, but it's also got a, a, a lens of, of, trauma in it and so people come to it and everybody has some trauma or traumatic situations at some point in their life and i think you know people relate to it in that way so it, it does have a little bit of um i don't know a little more uh a little more of a personal journey than i would normally take on my in the stuff that i've done before yeah i would say that's the difference i'm i I was at your show in Idaho Falls in November, my wife oh, and I. Okay. And okay. I, I think you know the show I'm talking about. Um, we were sitting right behind a couple oh. uh, in the balcony, and we we noticed they kept coming in and out of the show. And uh, then at the end of the show, you were kind of doing some Q&A with the audience, and the the wife of the couple kind of calls out to you, Ryan do me a favor. Will you hug your mama? And, yeah. and I just, I, it was almost like time stood still and yeah. I was like, Oh wow. <laughs> what, what's going to happen yeah. next? And, and I thought you handled it so well. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit about, about that experience? Cause what she said next was, was really hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was hard. It was it. it I almost feel guilty because I talk about these things now and how people don't know always what they're coming to see exactly someone talking about. They know me, but she said, I'm so glad that your uh, mother was there to take care of you. Please give her a hug for me. And then she said, I lost my son as a pedestrian um, who was hit by an, uh, an SUV a year ago. And it, it, it was, it was a poignant moment in the, in a comedy show <laughs> because I knew that she was in pain and I knew that it was authentic. And I knew that what I had talked about really probably took her back to that. And so I knew it was very painful for her. <clears throat> I didn't really know what to do because I'm a, I'm a comedian, but I just said, you know, I'm really sorry and I hope that I can talk to you after the show and I'm very sorry that happened and I was kind of nervous to meet them because I didn't know if they would be upset that I took them to a place unintentionally but you know but they were very kind and very sweet and now they're friends of mine we went to breakfast the next day they had driven from um, a long distance to see the show and they knew I was in an accident, but they didn't know that I'd be talking about it for an extended period of time. So, um, yeah, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that I don't hear from that also, you know, connect in some way to that, whether it's an accident, whether it's um, whatever it is, it, you know, we all go through things that are difficult. And so, um, yeah, that was just one instance where it was vocalized. But I think about, you know, what else is out there that I don't know about. Um, and I, I, my job is to entertain. I I'm, I don't want to get lost because that's my job. I want people to feel good and I want people to come out feeling light and happy. And, and but also uh, I have to, there, I don't know, this is just, what's in my life and that's what I have. So I'm talking about that. But um, I think, I do think it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, you I know? have to say when, it, it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good yeah, set. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like yeah, you handled well, the situation pretty well, Ryan. Oh, well, thank you. I, I mean, there was, I didn't do much. I, there wasn't much I could really do. I went back into comedy immediately because, you know, um, that's all you can do. But, and I've been in situations like this before, not exactly like this, but performing for so many years and you, you run into all sorts of interesting things. I, I did a, a benefit for uh, like a police officer's benefit. And for some reason, sometimes people just don't think about things when they're putting the order of the show together or they don't understand the flow of things. They just, it just happens. But this was in Nevada and, and they presented a, a fallen officer's mother and son, uh, a flag and a box uh, and a medal 
like minutes before I went on stage and everybody knew these people. And so there were tears, obviously. And it was, I was touched watching it. It's very hard to see something like that or not hard, but I guess hard, but also good and cathartic. But I remember them saying, you know, and now comedy and everybody in the audience realized that this wasn't the right place for this. So you learn how to navigate things with sensitivity sometimes, and you just have to do that because you get thrown into situations and people are in all sorts of different places in their head when they're at a show. You don't know, you don't know where they came from, what they're doing, what's gone on in their day. Sometimes you look down and see someone who's not laughing. And after the show, they'll say, that was the greatest thing I ever saw. I have had a really rough time. This happened to me. This happened to me. And I'm just so glad I go, oh, I thought you just thought I wasn't funny. I, you know, I didn't know what was going on with you. So I've learned to, to not assume anything and, and try and just, uh, but I want people to come out feeling good. You know, I want people to come out feeling happy because you can laugh a lot and it can feel heavy too. So this is a topic that's new for me, but it's, I feel like people come out of it in a good place, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you. Ryan, uh, going along with what you just said, um, does your comedy act change depending on the venue that you perform at? Very little. I mean, a little bit, but not in a significant way. I tailor things to local audiences or to specific audiences if they're from, you know, sometimes I'll do a corporate event and they don't know who I am. And I will do a little research and whatever kind of funny observations I find about their group, I'll share with them. <laughs> and, um, but generally I, I pretty much can do and I, I kind of like the challenge of this, of being able to perform for any audience anywhere, you know? I just enjoy that. So it does change, but not in significant ways, more just in kind of like customized, personalized ways. Awesome. Well, we hope that you feel like you are going to have like a homecoming show next week uh, in front of the BYUI students and the rest of the community. What type of material yeah. can we expect from you at that show? Um, just kind of what I've described here. I mean, mostly uh, I am still talking about my accident, but I'm talking a lot about health and my own life and um, learning and growing with age. <laughs> um, things like that. That's just kind of what's going on with me right now. But, you know, if you saw my Netflix special, it will be in the same vein as that. It has not changed dramatically in any way. Um, and we'll have a good time. And I've performed there several times over the years, and we've always had really fun shows. So uh, I expect this will be really fun, too. Um, I'm bringing uh, an opening comedian that hasn't I haven't brought to uh, BYU-Idaho before, so that'll be really fun. I think you'll enjoy the opening act as well. But it's going to be um, really fun. I don't know. Nice. I think it'll be nice for me. I like to, I, I'm sure I'll have a lot to say about Idaho. And, you know, I do kind of relish 
when I'm close to home, being able to make references that I can't make anywhere else. (laughs) So that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, now you're a successful New York comedian. Do you feel like you can make it anywhere? (laughs) Um, I, um, no, I, I don't know. (laughs) I still am chasing, (laughs) still am chasing, um, that I, everywhere I go, I'm like, I, I hope, I hope they like me here, but, um, yeah, I, I know, I think you're referencing my, my Netflix special. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Ryan, we're excited to see your show. Uh, Again, it's on March 10th, Friday, March 10th at 730 in the BYU-Idaho Center. So there's plenty of space in there. Tickets are still available, and you can get yours at tickets.byui.edu. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes, and there are there are. It's a pretty big space, so um, we need the entire county to come out. I think to fill that space. Yeah, all of you. I'll be spreading the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. it. Was it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Ryan.